boom, starting the podcast here, and then we are going to be here going live. Uh, before we do that, we're going to go broadcast quality. We're going to make adjustments. Okay, that's right. Record both. All right, go live. And here we're going live. I'm turning off the monitor. Uh, looks like that we are live. And I am going widescreen with the teleprompter. Perfect. Okay. So, um... This is going to be a test. I just got a brand new teleprompter and I have a Feel World T7 monitor. Um, basically, I've gone to StreamYard. I've fed my PC, um, my PC video via HDMI into the Feel World monitor. And then I'm using the output of that to my regular desktop monitor for settings and everything like that. But for monitoring right now, I'm using the, the, the smaller monitor. I tried to use a traditional PC monitor, but um, for whatever reason, when I got it, the, it just didn't work. It was, uh, it was a faulty uh, external portable monitor. I think maybe I might try that again someday with the portable monitor, but for now, we're going to use a camera monitor, and uh, and the only thing that I'm seeing right now is a slight glare, and uh, that's probably something we can fix. It might be the fact that the light is bouncing off my eye, and so I'm looking uh, looking a little bit, you know, pale. Maybe I don't know. This is a this is a um, fun experiment i guess uh the the monitor is a little bit too small given that it's a eight inch monitor for reading chat and what have you so i might have to figure out a way that i can uh monitor chat on another device or another screen or something off to the side in order to to do that but this is a part of content creation so i'm kind of talking through my own content creation experience and what it has taken to get technology to work for me and so last night I went to Austin podcasters meetup it was put on by Scott Carson uh, he's a podcaster local to the Austin scene been doing it for quite some time and um it was a really fun event. It was at this um, brewery slash distillery, a bunch of different things in the South Austin area. And I met a bunch of different podcasters and we talked about content and we talked about their niche. We talked about tools. I was given a, um, a workbook with 35 different content creation tools possibly I'll make a video on that and give them a shout out um, going over those 35 tools and in fact I was introduced to a startup and they also create a podcast the startup is called cap show and I'll give them a little bit of a shout out here they're kind of a transcription AI but they also do 
content tools. So they help to publish content on social media, get bite-sized pieces out for distribution of your podcast or live stream or pretty much anything that you can give them an audio file for. I think that for my case, the audio is great because I'll give them a recording of the audio that I do here. They'll transcribe it. Then they give you like show notes and a potential title for your podcast, a, a wide variety of different things that they'll help you out with. And uh, I'm really looking forward to working with them. It's good to have another tool in the network for me to promote and send people that way that are content creators that want to learn about the cutting edge tools that are helping them be more efficient, helping them make more powerful content uh, and everything associated with that. So that kind of segues into the event that I'll be going to in Vegas, which is Affiliate Summit West. And I hope to meet more people like Cap Show at that event. We'll see. I don't know necessarily what type of brands are going to be at the event, but it should be a great opportunity to network, um, get to experience a lot of different stuff. It was interesting that uh, I'll have to reach out to Scott again. He had mentioned that one of his colleagues is going to be speaking at the event. And this is something actually maybe I haven't talked about that much. Um, for a younger audience or even maybe an older audience that's just getting into content creation and, and learning um, about the fact that there are conferences dedicated to creators. You know, a lot of people who are in the workforce are familiar with expos, conferences, conventions, and they attend them for their industries that they work in, but they don't necessarily think about the other industries out there that are creating conferences themselves. So if you really want to learn anything and find people that are like-minded, going to these conferences is one of the best ways to get your name out there. Of course, in the digital age, I think I've mentioned this before that, you know, going online on Twitter spaces or clubhouse or, or joining a Facebook group is a great way to get your name out there as well in a digital sense. Though, if you want to take that to the next level, I highly recommend going to a, a niche conference that speaks to you. And one of the things that I really enjoy, and I think that you might too, is listening to industry veterans, new people in the industry that are doing innovative things. And pretty much anybody who's motivated to speak about their niche on a panel. I've done panels before, you know, I've done fireside chats. I've done, um, what's it called? Uh, like just a, press conference. Um, I've done a, a few different things in, in that regard. And I want to like encourage a lot of people who attend conferences to not just go to the expo or to the content creator hub or, or, or the like 
special concerts or things like that, but go to the panels and listen to industry experts and, and, and noobs or new people, uh, use the gaming term there, new people in the industry that are actively um, pursuing your niche and, and get that experience because it's really valuable to have a second opinion, a different perspective, just that that thing that might unlock a, a door for an opportunity that you didn't see necessarily at first. So you learn through other people's lived experience what cool things or new things, what is going to push your career forward. And that's going to be really exciting, right? So I'll be going to this conference and Scott mentioned someone that he knows a colleague of his is speaking. And so that actually is of a lot of benefit because when you have your network and let's say someone you know is not going to the event, but they're interested in the information, you become a valuable resource to them because you can you know, basically give them a insider's perspective because they're, they don't have the, they're not fortunate enough or they're not uh, able to, or, or for whatever reason, they're not able to attend. You can give them, you know, basically a synopsis or a summary of the things that happened. Um, and, and it's going to go a long way because you might say, you might say like, Oh, they live streamed this. Did you know they live streamed it? And they might never even known that they live streamed it because for whatever reason, they did the live stream on uh, a creator's platform versus the brand platform. And then you kind of, you know, because you got that link and you got the, the, the information, you know, information is super valuable. You share that with your network and then, um, they learn something, they, they get some form of entertainment out of it. You know, everyone's value is different, but it does go a long way. Uh, when people, when you are being considerate of others and, um, basically putting them in the know, you know, um, uh, and you could say it's like, them being a part of an inside secret in a way. I mean, sometimes some cases like, you know, there's situations where that content may be a premium content that you have to like subscribe for or pay for that you don't want to like necessarily pirate it to other people. But, you know, as long as it's like an open source, you know, there's not a lot of, uh, they haven't said not to share it, you know, so go ahead and, and, and let other people know about the gems that, uh, people are dropping on those public platforms. Just like shoot them a, a YouTube link or wherever the, wherever the content, you know, exists, just, you know, share it with your network for those who weren't able to attend. And, um, that goes for a lot of different things. And, and in the discussion at the podcasters meetup, we talked about, we talked about collaboration through podcast guests. We talked about the tools 
that go into podcasting. We talked about viewership and audience, and we talked about discovering your niche. There are a lot of things that that were really, uh, I always use the word valuable, but um, I would want to use the word motivating, of course, to to get out there and do more and have fun. That's a big one. Don't forget why you got into creating content in the first place. Everybody knows that there's a business component to content creation. There's a financial opportunity. There's, you know, lifestyle, uh, changes there's all these things but having fun is one of the most important things to remember you don't want content creation to turn into uh, a chore you you just do what makes you feel good and makes you want to continue doing content creation you know that's really challenging I think it's something that especially for this day and age with everything being so short form and bite size and and quick that as a content creator long format content you know there you probably produce three pieces of long format content a week you know those of you who are long format content full-timers you might make five pieces of full-time long long format content in a week and then you take off the weekends or whatnot but i mean if you're creating five pieces of a long format content you should be creating hundreds of clips from that piece the from that content especially if you're doing three to four hours of content a day especially if you're a live streamer if you're a live streamer and you're on twitch or you're on youtube or kick.com tiktok it doesn't doesn't really matter i guess whatever platform you live stream to you know your audience is one of those great resources for clips. Uh, I know there's clip functionality on YouTube and Twitch, and, and I know kick.com is going to get theirs. Uh, but both of those platforms, you know, those clips can go a long way, especially if there's a virality to them. If the lar- if, if one of your, your viewers creates a clip and it goes viral uh, in the audience for those who watch clips which is something that is very um, interesting to me, very. Okay, so for for those of you who don't know what clips are on Twitch, Twitch clips are basically the same thing as like Xbox snapshots, but they're user-generated by your viewers. 
So when a viewer finds something interesting in your broadcast, they can click a button that takes like a, it, you know, it varies from like, I think up to a minute worth of content. Maybe it's longer than that, actually. Surprisingly, I don't know the number, but um, I'll go back and review and, and, um, and make sure I know that for the next podcast. But it takes this bite-sized clip and then it pushes it out to the platform for other viewers to see and be entertained or find popular or enjoy as well. And then you can download the clip and then you could post that on social media because it was a highlight that people liked. Doesn't necessarily it's going to be it doesn't mean necessarily that it's going to be popular on other platforms. <clears throat> Twitch clips are generally popular on Reddit. Um for whatever reason, that's where they really prosper. And because there's a few different communities like live stream fails um I'm trying to think of anything else. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's pretty much the main one. Live stream fails. So usually it's not necessarily a, a clip that you you find to be a highlight of, of your content. But sometimes it is. Sometimes it's like the best gameplay clip. And then you're, if you're a gaming streamer, you just post that clip. And, and it'll go viral on TikTok or it'll go viral on Instagram or something, some other platform equally so as Twitch clips. Uh, and YouTube has another feature that's very similar to it, but it doesn't have like a public functionality, um, to that level. So it's not quite as robust. It's more of a sharing functionality or like saving for an individual's, um, for a, a per, an individual viewer's liking right so they can go back and see their favorite moments of a particular broadcast or a particular post-production video like a like a music video or like i don't know if all music videos have have youtube clips on it or not but you know i'm sure it'll it'll get to that level at some point so anyway these clips like they can be multi-purposed on other platforms um and so if you're a long format content creator that's doing live streamings live streamings live streams you should be taking those most popular clips and distributing them like they're wildfire all over social media letting people know the type of content you create right some of it's going to be needing to be edited or like spliced up, but you can download those pretty simply from the internet from a number of different websites that let you download the clips directly to your, your, you know, your iPhone or your Android phone and then just post it on TikTok. It's easy. It's not, it's not very hard. Right. But especially for, like I said, long format live streamer content creators, podcasters now. I'm speaking to the podcasters. Similar, you know, it's really tough for podcasters out there who are creating content um, to do the same numbers as live streamers because 
a lot of podcasters, their shows are based off of kind of a staged or scripted environment where there's a studio involved and podcasters also do live streaming, but there's, there's a, the type of people who do podcasting and do live streaming are often kind of different archetypes. They're different personality types of people. I would say I'm kind of, you know, a streamer first and then a podcaster second. And so like I kind of started my content creation in the live streaming space, although like arguably like my my education is more around post-production cinematic storytelling. The actual application of my content creation has been in live streaming because I started streaming on Ustream in 2012 and then stopped streaming on Ustream due to a number of different reasons. But then I got on Twitch in 2015. So like a three year time gap between when I went from Ustream to, to, uh, to Twitch. But then when I came back, it wasn't like when I was on Ustream, I was doing the same sort of stuff that I'm doing now with like social commentary and, um, like a personal branded show. So similar a different older version of me content doesn't exist i wish it did still but it doesn't exist out there maybe ustream has like some server somewhere that i could like pull that stuff back in that would be really cool you stream people if they have access to something like that so i could just reflect on you know my past and everything that i created back in 2012 um and then like nowadays how different that is but anyway 2015 you know, I'm, I'm in a, uh, a youth music studio and I'm, I'm helping the kids out and I'm learning live streaming again and I'm learning the new platforms and what works here and what works there. I think I was streaming to YouTube and Twitch at the same time and, uh, put, putting out, you know, DJ sets and messing around. I'd never DJed before, so I was experiencing something new doing uh an ss uh, was it s what is it what is the dj controller called um ssb is that right ssdj or what i don't i haven't dj'd in a long time or anything like that i haven't touched a controller or anything like that i work with djs but djing hasn't been something i've been really focused on um So the Pioneer, the little, the little CGJ, not even a CGJ, just a regular digital controller. And, um, you know, I'm scratching these musics and doing mixes and, and whatnot. And then, uh, I broadcast that out. I had to learn all these different tools in order to, to, to get the music out there. And I was also doing it to like SoundCloud and hear this. So there was like a, a pirate radio kind of thing going on there and it was a lot of fun and then so you know, that kind of transitioned into Austin live and local which was like the next niche like I was doing 
that that was more like that was like on a on the surface level very content creation like i had no idea of the direction or what i was doing i was just creating content like there's a there's a beauty to that a lot of content creators just freestyling just out there like just creating the content because it feels good you know making the things that they enjoy doing the entertainment the fun of it just because it's fun and then you get into it and people tell you you should do this and you should do that and you do this blah 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 they start telling you what but you should do instead of what you're actually you're doing when you're having fun right and so like that's when it can kind of get hairy and and it starts to get kind of frustrating the content creation component and I never really experienced that particularly because I've still always stayed doing content creation, having a little fun here, you know, having bad experiences over there, doing create, create, creating content, you know, ups and downs, you know, trying to do something different. You know, I've been in situations where I'm working on on making a on a short film, and then because of the situ because of life circumstances it doesn't work out. So then you're kind of not creating the content that you really want to create, but you know, it's, there's a lot of different opportunities along the way to just, you got to kind of take what you can take it and take what you get or get in when you fit, where you fit in, like just make it happen. Right. So, you know, I went from, like I said, Austin live and local was the next evolution of the content I was creating on Ustream on Twitch and started learning Facebook more so I'm learning Facebook as a content creator. I'm playing around with groups. I'm I'm doing this and I'm doing that. That's kind of how I got involved with the Austin Podcast Meetup. Was learning the groups and like how you can join a community and they do events over here and how how to do this and that and instead of just sitting at home and and being a solo person and you know not knowing anybody or or playing any of the games, you know that's vastly different than the, the way that my life actions were when I was a kid, like certain things were popularized. So you do those things you don't. And you know, because you do those things, life is a little easier. Some people don't do that and they do the things that are less popular. They see those things as not so cool and, or they don't think them of them as, as whatever they don't like the things like being on the sports team or being in the band or uh joining theater club those key club what whatever they don't like find those things to be enjoyable right so they do other alternative things and you learn alternative things are what sets you apart from the norm, but you have to learn, right? You have to learn those things. And maybe there's a life situation, a certain lifestyle that people gravitate toward alternative things more than others, than the mainstream, right? And I don't necessarily know what that is, but I've always kind of been off mainstream kind of like off white you know Virgil Abloh but like off mainstream like you know off white I mean <laughs> it's mainstream but it's not 
mainstream mainstream right so like you know there's a premium to it right there's di- there's there's a little bit of pizzazz a little bit of je ne sais quoi right and hey so anyway i started austin live and local to find that at least in the austin area i was exploring artist brands and events through digital platforms and then also exploring the established like offline communities that existed through venues through print media um i'm trying to think of all the different things like traditional media television radio like i i really explored it all at some point you know but it always changes it's always ever evolving so like radio stations and and the rtf program at the university of texas like it's interesting just like thinking back to what who who got involved you know who didn't get involved when i was on my journey to kind of learn these different things and there was always I don't know how to explain it and I know last night I also went to a club and I experienced it again it's like there are people who are just not interested in you right they're just for whatever reason they look at you and they think they don't need you they just by the way that you look or the way that other people are telling them that they should perceive you. That's sort of the main, like mainstream ideologies are like what people tell you, you should like, and you shouldn't like, right. The whole herd mentality, you know, of, of not everyone wants to go through the rigmarole of learning, like whether something is, acceptable or not like some things are just like i just don't even want to deal with tell me tell me what i should and shouldn't care about when it comes to that topic don't i don't even want to really even have an opinion on the topic it's just like tell me what i should think and and i'll just think that and that's what i'll do you know and that's the simple life in a lot of ways it's just like super simple just to have an authority figure tell you what you should think and believe and go about that but i mean there are a lot of historical reasons why that shouldn't be the way that people think but they continue to think that way the mainstream continues to think that way um even though countless evidence of of times in which the mainstream has 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 deviated um, from from that, and then you have this division division of the mainstream to where certain people who think right and wrong go a different direction, right? So anyway, so you you have people that just don't want to help you. They or they look at you and they have a perception of of you. Sometimes you can convert those people by you know talking to them and educating them on who you are versus who they were told that you are and that takes a, a lot of work to be honest and in certain circumstances 
you don't want to do that because the consequences of you forcefully putting yourself onto someone could lead to negative perceptions that's the group mentality then places on you right so there are circumstances where you can approach a situation because it's common to to approach in that manner and basically give uh give the impression that you're not being pushy because it's a normalized approach. So that normalized apart approach is like, this is how you, en this is how you approach you, you, this is how you, that they're sort of in a perform performative, you know, uh, position because it's, familiar that they're when you're in this position that you're performative and then there's it's familiar that there's an audience and that the audience might have a an engagement factor to it especially like i'm thinking of com stand-up comedy right now you know there's there's a there's crowd work that comedians do that is both uh, a two-way street like a, you know the comedian asks a question the or the or the audience member asks a question and it go kind of back and forth q a style there's hecklers who you know shout and criticize and and yell at stand-up comedians and then the stand-up comedian basically flames them or you know roasts them for saying something that is maybe obstructive or like interrupting their stand-up and yeah it's uh it's a challenge to say the least to to put yourself out there as a content creator and like i said not everyone's gonna like you and some people you can convert some people you can't and it's easier when they're you know, on the, on the spectrum when they're closer to you in likeness than those that are not content creators. Right. So I spoke to some people at the club last night that were not, were not content creators. Uh, in fact, they preferred to not create content so as to kind of have a a separation between their business interest and their personal interests. Um, and that's really challenging in the digital age because digital being digital in nature is by its nature is content creation. Whether you have Google maps or you have Yelp or whatever, you have a website, you're creating some form of content that you're publishing whether that be in the form of blogs, newsletters, um, press, whatever it is, like there's copywriting involved, there's, and that elevates into uh, photography and graphic design and, 
and other ways to express yourself. It doesn't always have to be photos and videos and audio and all the high production value stuff, but it can be right. And there's some, some more, I don't want to call them low effort, but low output, low frequency. I mean, you're not, video is high frequency. There's a lot of moving parts and a lot to learn. There's a lot of equipment that goes involved in in video. There's lights, camera, action, all of that. Audio is very similar. Sound, camera, or sound, mic, action. Um, You know, there's always three components. There's always components to doing any form of content creation. Some people just don't want to participate in that. Even though, you know, I'm talking to them and they have the interest of opening up a an all-female gym because they're like fitness they're really into fitness and i'm talking to them and i'm really i'm curious i mean but it's like well if you how are you going to get the message out if you don't have content how i mean like you okay so you so you spend a bunch of money in opening up a brick and mortar and then you then you have to hire staff and that staff has to have a similar um, worldview and ideology and belief system that that you have in order for the operation to to function as the way that you want it to function, especially in this theoretical female bodybuilding gym that's exclusive to women and and that it has no that there are no men in the gym. Like I I don't know how to I have no idea how you even do that legally. <laughs> That's such a level of discrimination. It's so similar to uh it's so similar to the racial discrimination that it's like how, how can that thought, I don't know if I don't know if people should have that thought, whether they're, you know, cis, female, or non-binary or anything. Like, they, I don't know. I I just that uh identity identity politics component. I just. It always is challenging to to deal with that i mean as as i mature i learn so much more about like how you don't want to discriminate against people you you do want to sort of distance yourself but you don't want to discriminate you kind of just want to you know be very on an individual level more like i don't care for what you do um but you don't want this whole gang mentality to start start happening. And so I'm still speaking, I guess, mostly on the fact that people don't might not like you, right? It's like people are just going to not like the content that you create. People don't like the content that I create, and I get negative feedback all the time. And that negative feedback, I try to do my best to fix that constructive criticism 
Sometimes I just can't. I just can't. I can't fix it overnight, right? There's, it takes time and it takes a plan and structure to fix technology, to fix appearances, to fix, uh, ideas and, and beliefs that are rooted in generational comprehension that may not be positive. It might come from a negative origin and, and you kind of have to fix it along the way. And, and then it's just like the presentation gets better. And maybe those people over time that had a you know, a negative impression of, of you. And I'm by saying you, I mean, the royal you, including me, the, they start to like you, they, you start to get, they start taking on a liking of you, I should say. And so that's a process, you know, and then you do things that people are going to bash you for. I mean, just look at, how many mainstream content creators are out now that are just getting dragged in the press. You know, even politicians, politicians have always been dragged in the press, but I'm just saying like that, what is usually historically been subjective to the politicians and public figures like of that nature, celebrities, all of that is now being in, uh, applied to non-content creators, like just regular people, because everyone that participates in digital media, social media, a website, any form of digital media, is getting ju judged in this way, like based on their beliefs, their religions, their ideologies, their identity, the, all these different things. And just like bits and pieces of, of, of you are being fragmented and in ways that you just have to kind of like roll with the punches and try your best to resonate with people that are like you that see eye to eye, you know, eye to eye, should, that's better hand gesture than what I was doing. Um, and that can see the bigger picture, see the vision of, of the direction that you're going in. And hopefully they like the aesthetic, the appearance to it, you know, and so I, I start looking off camera all, all these different things because I'm thinking, especially when I think I tend to look away from the camera because if I'm looking at myself, I'm, you know, I get caught up in appearances and the way that I look and, and am I doing, is my hair right? Is my beard trimmed? Is my shirt on right? Is, do I have any stains? All these different things that like can ultimately hold you back, right? Are you smiling even? I have a very hard time smiling when I'm thinking because I'm thinking about things that are challenges. And challenges are not always that uh, happy and joyful. 
most of the time, the things that you're trying to overcome are sad, emotional, depressing, not logical, irrational. These types of things. Because it might be an outside influence, like I've been talking about, that, that's you know, obstructing your happiness or your success that comes from content creation. Hopefully, that doesn't last forever. And then you get to be well-liked in your niche. And they... They want to include you. They want to tell you about their their shows. They want to they want to include you in the thing that you want to do, right? That's the thing. You want to be likable, right? And liked. You want to be likable and liked. You want no like and trust. So, I mean, establishing not that someone knows who you are is the first step, right? That's the first thing you need to do in marketing is get people to realize you have a podcast, that you have content that you're creating, and they're just familiar in at the very basic level, familiar. Developing that they like you that's a lot ch more challenging, right? That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about how can they like you as a content creator, like us? How can they like us? What is it that they find uh, unappealing, unattractive that that we can adjust to get the message out that we're we're we are trying to be inclusive and not exclusive and that we want people to be living their best life, right? And we want to live our best life, right? We don't want them to be an obstruction to us living our best life because they're looking at us and they're like, they don't realize that behind them is a gang of people that is, because they, they think they're just an individual making an assumption, but there's a clap. There's a ton of them, you know, lined up that are like not interested in what you have to say. And then when you can finally get them to turn around and they start realizing all that, all these people are not, you know, are, are they looking at you crazy and don't like what you have to say? They start to be on your side. They're like, Whoa, you know, that they're the, uh, the things they think are wrong. The things that wait, hold up the, the way the thing that they think about us, people who are on the other side is ill-informed, misinformed. Uh, they are educated in a way that they don't properly understand the language, uh, and it's really funny. That's not, that has nothing to do with like, that has nothing to do with being like a native speaker, speaker of a different language. Smart people are smart people. I want to say uneducated, just put it that way. Uneducated people are just uneducated. They're educated. They're just misinformed with with information that 
no one, you know, we're misinformed. You, we have to, as people, this is when it comes to like, everyone is an individual, right? At the end of the day, we have to make an exerted effort to do our own research. And sometimes that research that we, we do, there's a gang of people just believing something that's just not true about people right and that could be that could be um what's the word i'm looking for that could be uh what's like a youth a young thing that could be naive it could be naive or it could be nefarious naive or nefarious it's one or the other it's either negligent or intentional it's it's never a gray area like it's never no one is ever naive and nefarious like it's hard to be both of those two things um you're either informed and nefarious or naive and negligent though that's that's how that correlates i i strongly strongly encourage any of you out there listening to this to challenge that with evidence of an ability to be naive and nefarious at the same time like intentionally like with you can't be naive it's just not possible like i challenge some i know someone's gonna say that because i know people just i know people argue to argue I, I talk to people all the time that argue to argue, don't have any sustain, you know, sustainable evidence or case study or anything. They just argue to argue and they just say things just to say things like they don't go to, you know, they're not even Wikipedia warriors. They're like, they're like headline warriors. <laughs> like they are like soundbite warriors. They heard something. And they're like, but they misheard it. And then they, you, it's, it's sometimes I've, I've been, a, uh, I have been a victim to doing this. You know, when you, when, when something that is told to you, you mishear it, which means you misunderstood it, which means you're misinformed. And so then you're just like constantly battling to get back to, uh, get back to not being an idiot basically and and it's it, you know you have to you have to laugh at yourself because it's so funny that we're constantly in these situations of individuals where it's like it's the telephone game and it's you're three three people removed from any information these days so like the root source of it all and plus you know, information is coming out via a bajillion content creators and they're all saying it in slightly different ways. And you just have to figure out what frequency and tune is most receptive to you. Right. For me, podcast is a big one of those. Um, I would say live streams, you know, I, I talk about it all the time. So as a consumer, a content consumer, like I'm not a big 
newspaper reader or blog reader. I will listen to the audio versions of those things. Um, but as far as like reading something on a piece of paper or on Twitter or, or a twit longer or something like that, like hard pressed to find me doing that. I'll read books, listen to audio books, et cetera. But I mean, that's like few and far between situations, few and far between, I would say. But anyway, I just kind of want to segue away from that because, yeah, it's just it's one of the things that you you like we talked about at the meetup a lot about finding your audience. And it's just like challenging. It's real challenging and it does help to be in a community of other content creators that are not like minded and everything like that. So, like, put yourself out there go to events, network. I know it's going to be a struggle because people will always be people. And um, be yourself. At the end of the day, you are your niche. Something that this is like a trending topic going around. But be yourself. Don't be afraid to... Um, create the content that you want to create don't be afraid not to create content i'm also going to advise that you know don't get fear of missing out because you're not doing it uh you have good reasons why you're not do creating content so don't waver or make the plan to when you decide you're going to put your yourself out there you know I mean, there's no better time than the present. I'll make that advice. But, I mean, I'm also not going to say you have to do anything. You can do whatever you want in life so long as it doesn't it doesn't hurt others to a great degree. So, I'm only talking from lived experience, obviously. So, like, a big reason why I went out last night was because of what I did with Austin Live and Local, right? And that Austin Live and Local transitioned into me talking about the things that I'm talking about now, my life, and what I do as a content creator with Trent Knox Productions and the show. But, I mean, as you guys are familiar, I do a lot of different things as far as branding goes. I mean, I created Austin Live and Local, then I started uh, Cyber City Media, and then I started Esports Business Network. And I mean, a lot of you who are listening are familiar with what I've done with Esports Business Network as far as interviewing content creators in the esports and gaming space um, on the professional uh, level, behind the scenes, in front of the camera, everything. And I've done event coverage with it as well. Um, and I want to continue doing that. I do. There are conferences that I like to attend. Esports and gaming, as far as a fan's perspective, extremely expensive. The cost of hotel. They always put the events in the most expensive time. On the weekend, in the most expensive locations. Like, gaming and esports is so 
wildly expensive. And what they tend to do, these event promoters and, and event organizers, is market toward a local audience that doesn't know an event is taking place. <laughs> Especially big events. Like, they're banking more on people to travel to the event than they are getting the local community to show up. I've seen it countless times, year after year, esports tournament operators, such as DreamHack, BlizzCon, Overwatch League, all these different things. Well, of course, like, Blizzard does it differently because they usually hold the event in the same location every um, every year, so everybody knows that it's going to be the cost to go to San Diego um, to attend the event, or Anaheim area, that area, whatever. Um, and that's that is what it is, right? That's uh, you know that's Blizzard for you. They're gonna ask for you to to go watch Call of Duty all around the nation, you know, and it's wild what people are saying in the industry as far as um, the comparison of traditional sports consumers to esports consumers like that they're just like esports fans aren't going to go to events they're not going to buy a beer they're not going to get popcorn drink everything they're just going to go on the on on the cheap end of of it all and it's if that's the case you know like there has to be a way for them to discover how to make the ends meet right and stop trying to market to the people that are in the one percent of people like they can fly to the event and afford to purchase merchandise and everything that is being sold at these venues like they got to figure out how to do it on a local level like they got to really figure out how the grassroots shows up right and grassroots what i mean is like local gamers in the area they really fail to do this and they fail to do it because they don't buy radio they don't buy social media not the right way it i don't know how this happens but they just are so ill-informed on how to market to locals they're They're always so disconnected. Like they bring in people from international markets to produce the events and or it's like vice versa. So like when you have like kind of a like an in-between, like a land fest, they just miss the mark on who they should be inviting as content creators. Cause they're not doing their research as far as like who's popping and where do they stay at? It's really difficult. That's for certain. Like there's no like aggregator for Twitch streamers. It's like doxing in any way like that. But what if 
if there was a better way to do it. I don't know. I don't know how to do it yet. I'm going to figure it out for sure. Of getting in contact with local content creators in the niche that will go to your event, get their fans to come to the event on a local grassroots level, but still have a high production value because ticket costs and everything and then the travel and accommodations are just affordable. Just make it affordable. Just currently esports is way too expensive. Like for instance, I'm looking at tickets to this event in Las Vegas in the end of February. Level Up Expo. A hotel minimum for the foreign, you know, basically you show up on Thursday and you leave on Monday if you're out of towner, right? A local different story. But out of towner, minimum like a thousand bucks just for the two for Friday, Saturday. That's the problem. Friday, Saturday in Vegas on that weekend. Outrageous. Cost is outrageous. Unless you're like balling, balling. You know, I'm talking like minimum in your bank account, 250000 Like that's, you know, because you have all these other expenses and then you're doing this as a entertainment thing, an additional layer of what you have. And I mean, there's sacrifices, right? There's all these reasons. You know, there's, you know, putting yourself into debt there's things that you can do of course you can do that and that's life right you know life is like that but you definitely you want to be above water more than you want to be below you know you so it's like you don't want to be drowning in debt because you went to all these events right and that's that's the thing like that's the way that organizers should be looking at this picture because they're like well they're thinking like how do ticket costs and and food and beverage and merchandise cover up for the cost of putting on the event. Well, the thing is, is you need to just like think about who your audience is and how are you going to get them to show up? Because you're not going to get people to fly out for um, basically a minimum of 1500 because you're talking about food, transportation, all of that outside the uh, of even getting in the door. As far as costs go. So you get in the door. And then let's say you want to participate in like a land. A land component. Of the event. That's another $250 on top of the ticket. For a seat in the land. And then if you want a premium VIP service. You know bottle service. Or or like whatever the case may be. Like food delivered to your, to your seat. Like a higher level experience. You're starting to break that $2,500 mark. You're starting to break into that $5,000, $10,000 mark. Depending on across of, across these three to four days, or three days, I guess usually it's three days, three-day event, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right? I mean, yeah, entry entry at the door, a ticket for three days is 75 bucks, right? And that's that's a little bit on the pricier side. The, the event's like a dream hack and whatnot are usually like in the $35 to $75 range. It's definitely below 75. That's a high ticket, but yeah. And I mean, I, everyone's right. Like, I mean, most of these people who are, 
who are paying attention, the mainstream of gaming and esports, are the youth. Young, young people, not necessarily yet 18 years of age. So they got to ask their parents. And if their parents are being asked, like, it's either they're going with a group of friends and a, and, and a, and uh, what's the word? Uh, a parental guidance. What's the word I'm looking for? A chaperone. They have to have a chaperone involved. Like someone's going around, you know, taking to them to the event. And the more people you add on, the more, <laughs> the higher the cost is. Flight, plane, travel, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I don't, I don't really understand how esports tournament operators and event organizers in the esports space put together their financial plan in regards to these events and think that people will spend thousands of dollars but even before they get in the door like there's not like on a local level I'm sure they can get people to show up, right? But they're always, everyone everyone who has been an esports tournament operator and an event organizer says that they barely break even. Unless they're, you know, getting to the point at which they've got investment money, they can combat it, you know, lower the ticket prices with the money that comes in because eventually over time, you know, you'll have, You'll break even. So like a dream hack, right? And, uh, you know, one of the big reasons why they sold out to Savvy Gaming Group is because, you know, the Saudi Arabian government has a lot of money to spend in innovation in this space with oil money and all these different things. So like, I mean, the way that the Saudi Arabian government, they're just invested in a lot of technology because they're pioneering, you know, petroleum engineering, all these different things. So... Like that investment and everything that's involved there in making it so that they can do, you know, market research without having to really put a lot of effort into local grassroots because they got just, they got money to spend. Unfortunately, the people in these markets, they don't have, I mean, there's very few that have that type of money to spend. And with as many different stops that dreamhack has now in this next in this year it's like how in the world are content creators or fans even supposed to go to all these events how can they go go to everyone and i mean it's incredibly important to attend every single one of them it's the meta right now it's it's the thing to do It's extremely expensive. You have to have a, what do they say? They say like, they say there's an adjective that they use, but basically a, a ravenous fandom. I think that's the right, right word. That's like sending constant donations and constant contributions, purchasing merchandise all the time, you know, uh, having big brand name sponsors to where you're even getting close to $250,000 a year to attend these events. Because you, I mean, you can't be, you just can't, you can't do that. 
And then you basically have a co- uh, arguably a competitive audience to every single event. Event. Yeah, I mean, look, esports teams have not been profitable. They've not been profitable because of these these issues. Like, it costs an ungodly amount to get your te- your players, your staff, everyone out to the event, and and then to win to win a measly. 250 bucks like that doesn't even cover the cost of attendance i mean just to go just go just to go to show just to show you just go to show you uh you say that however you say it um look at all the teams now basically the players alliance and overwatch basically suing the overwatch league and bliss and blizzard activision for just basically gross negligence like it's you know putting them in in financial straits that they they should have been well 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 um they should just there should have been no fine print in that regard like they should have they should have been way more vocal about the risk. They thought, oh, well, you knew the risk. Well, be more vocal about the risk. Because how are the players supposed to know that the Overwatch League is going to basically be, for lack of a better word, screwed over by the de- Overwatch developers with Overwatch 2? Same goes same goes to show for like Halo. Although Halo had a resurgence but dwindled again. And it's just like it's unfortunate. Like even Fortnite for, for what what you have you like and what they do, it's like where is the next World Cup? Like where is the next big opportunity for Fortnite? Cause all the money that these players invest in teams and everything that goes into being good and competitive at these games. Like, there has to be a payout. There has to be a big payout. And it can't just be content creation. Because content creation is not the same thing as competitive gaming. Right? You can't, like... Esports pros shouldn't have to go to... Go to the, the lengths that they have to basically play smurfs and play against inferior content creators just to get the content creator to basically foot the bill for real competitive gaming like this should be something that's handled by the developers like the developers should be sanctioning funding operating the leagues but also funding the grassroots doing both I, you know It's uh it's aggravating because it it what it end up ends up doing is diminishing the entertainment value of the content because they can't do or they are not doing esports content coverage 
at a high value level, right? They have, they're not doing enough to innovate in the space. They keep, they keep, no, now they keep rotating the same content creators that they know are problematic. They know that they're one step away from a bad scandal coming out about them or something that they said. So they're not developing enough new content creators to break out. Like Jake Lucky break broke out as an outsider covering the industry and has done a really good job at being both entertaining and informative in that space. Whatever the case may be, he posted about the fact that even he's a little bit lost in what people are supposed to do when it comes to content uh, distribution, right? The content creation, I think he's kind of he's kind of solved that in the way that he creates content, but distribution, he's just still challenged with like are you supposed to YouTube, TikTok, blah blah blah, all these different platforms. And it's just so taxing mentally and, and emotionally and physically taxing to be basically putting it out in the dark because everything's moving so fast and that's understandable. Like, I'm not complaining or making a statement about that. Like, I understand what he was saying in the sense of that, and this post was on LinkedIn. I think he probably posted it on Twitter too. But I understand where he's coming from because just at this meetup that I was at for the podcast meetup, they're talking about podcasting being a curriculum. That wasn't even a discussion whenever I was in college or in high school or taking media courses. It wasn't even ever brought up. It, podcasting already had been established through Apple Podcasts by the time that I had attended college. But nobody even talked about it. So it's understandable, right? It wasn't a medium. It wasn't a format that was popularized to the level that people were making money and making bread doing it right and so now it's like people are making money doing it so now they've got adjunct professors and professors and teaching assistants and associate professors teaching podcasting courses at, at universities University of Texas RTF program is teaching podcasting. Unbelievable. Texas State podcasting being taught. Now they don't teach live streaming. I mean, how do you teach live streaming? Like ask Aiden Ross, right? How do you teach YouTube? Go ask Mr. Beast. You just kind of have to shoot in the dark and hope that personality kind of just carries you along the way. That's social media. That's that is what uh, this newfound celebrity is. This new media, new media celebrity, right? New media, and that'll be that term. New media will never go away, right? It's a terminology 
that we've started to adopt new versus traditional. So today, like blogging, writing books, radio, television, traditional, legacy media. Television is definitely legacy media. Laser discs, legacy media, right? Even DVDs and Blu-rays to a degree, cassette tapes, that was another distribution model. Still audio, still video, blah, blah, blah. But legacy, like it's not something that the mainstream consumer is using, right? The mainstream consumer is trying to lower the costs and increase their consumption. Lower the costs, increase consumption. Everybody wants to be in the know. Not everybody, okay? Some, Like I said earlier, not everybody wants to be educated and informed and know what's going on and be in the know, being on the inside secret. Not everyone, okay? Some people are able to kind of do their thing, but that's not the majority. The majority of people want to be in the know, in the know et cetera. Not everything, but most things, right? So they're watching all the new movies. They're watching all the old movies. They're listening to all the new music. They're listening to all the old music. They're watching, I mean, what, what else are they doing? Uh, they're reading all the old books, the new books. They're doing, They because of the advent of the internet and accessibility, they're doing everything they can to consume as much information as they possibly can in 15 seconds or less <laughs> it's like get it's it's like get the most groceries in 15 items or less like buying the biggest bulk products so that you can go through the the 15 items or less line get out the door as fast as possible get into your car shoot off to work and just like your the time so much time there's only you know what is there max 12 hours of of daylight in the day so during that daylight time you have to really micromanage your time right unless Unless you have a whole lot of free time that you have because of, you know, whatever financial situation you're in. But, you know, every this whole capital system is working off of this, the, the dollar dollar bill, y'all. So, yeah, I mean, that rant right there was epic. But now I'm, I'm, I've, I've derailed and um, forgot entirely the direction that I was going. I just went off um, and and started talking about video. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it platforms, right? So, platform nine and three quarters. I don't know why. I just, Harry Potter came up in my mind. Going, yeah, I mean, let's just kind of, you know, take that imagery of, of, of a multi-dimensional portal, you know, of platform nine and three quarters. And it's like going from the muggle world to the wizard world, right? And so when you take content, which is you, you want to go from being an average Joe, put it through platform nine and three quarters, social media, and in the other end of, of the big picture, you want to get celebrity, fame, uh, notoriety, acceptance, everything, right? Be a wizard, Harry. That's what you want to be. You, you want to go from being a muggle, being a nobody. To being a somebody by going through the gateway, right? That's the thing. But the ga- gateway, people, you know, ordinary people don't see the gateway. 
right? They don't see what you have to do, the magic that it takes, or, you know, unfortunately in this case, this is like a, like a bloodline thing. Yikes. But, you know, but half bloods can get through. Like, like that is wild. I, I, when you start digging into like the personification and the underlying tone and me and, and, and meaning behind these things, it's like, whoa, that's gross. But anyway, you want to come out on the other end, but people on the other end are, there's a finite few of people who come on, on the other end unscathed. But then again, you know, like there's a, there's an admiration to the scars that are, um, that are got from putting in the hard work, right? That it takes to be a somebody. So you're going to have to learn social media. You're just going to have to keep doing. And hopefully that produces results. Actions, results, right? More actions, more results, positive and negative. There's no, there's no other way around that, right? It is just purely what you do and what comes of what you've done, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, right now they're probably teaching social media. They're teaching podcasting, old format, people who are like myself that are getting a little older, that are teaching assistants, adjunct professors, assistant professors to the main hierarchy of the pow down. And this is the way that it is. You know what I mean? The bull crap, you know, because people, it's very, there are few, very few doctors or PhDs, um, that are my age that are, didn't have the majority of opportunities in the collegiate system or the university system. And so people like myself are not, uh, educating the youth through that mechanism. We are educating the youth through random discovery because we don't, because the independent is not associating with agency because there's no agency that pop properly represents us in this medium in a way, because we are the pioneers of these. We are the pioneers of the new media. Traditional media can be functionality, bop, 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 slaved to the system. Boom. In a way that, it's easily comprehensible, packaged, boxed, and pushed out as a product through the system of distribution that is normalized by traditional media. Then legacy media, a whole nother thing, but it's like the duality of it. The middle traditional media is the main stream of it all, right? Television is not that, but over the top television is sort of becoming that netflix hulu youtube tv ott right because it's a, a a new repackaged smart tv model of the television hollywood agency model and the infrastructure is already there so there's a little bit of playing ball that has to be be done but legacy media 
which is more like people who miss the miss the innovations that needed to take place along the way with the capital that they had in their radio stations and in their um, production studios. Like they continue to do it the old way and there's very few people who are still consumers of the old way. Right. And that number keeps dwindling because the majority of consumers move to like that 15 seconds of fame on uh, on TikTok. Scroll, 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 dark, uh, dark pattern behavior so that people click like and accidentally click buttons and purchase things on accident. Like, I, I don't know. I just I was just like looking at my phone the other day, an app, you know, today. An application because I updated my iOS popped up on my phone and I'm like, whoa, why did that happen? And I'm like, all right, I don't know if I'm going to use that application because it's iOS, free form is the application. So I'm like, why why did this go on to my homepage when I, I'm very clean with my homepage? I don't do two homepages. So why did that happen? Like that's a fundamental misunderstanding of the way that I utilize my phone but developers I mean they just don't they don't think about the user experience you know back-end developers I guess I should say because it's not their duty their duty is to make sure that it's functional from a source code aspect and then it's the duty of designers to design how that's implemented in the user experience so you know sometimes the things fall through the cracks so like sometimes that's good sometimes that that's bad you know you you don't know you you don't know until you've pushed the update what's going to be good and what's going to be bad you know, and then you just gotta you gotta hope that the next shot on um on goal is you know what people what people's ex meets at people's expectations, I should say. And you know, hopefully it's uh you know, depends on the situation. If it's like let's talk about soccer, if it's a penalty kick or or like you know, and you know, uh, what's it? What's it called? Um, what's it called when it's in game? An in game kick. That's not. It's all in game, but uh, within time kick. So it's like, oh, he hit the post, but it went in. Like you know, like perception. A goal is a goal, right? Everyone knows a goal is a goal. If. It hits the post, bounces off six times, and then goes in the goal. It's just nerve-wracking and uh, can be seen as um, risk risky. And um, eh, you know, how often do you then put the put the you know ball in between the feet of that particular player? You you don't know. I mean, if they're consistently making uh, nerve-wracking goals like that that they're constantly hitting the post and they're not you know just drilling it into the net into the net you know with no goalie in sight 
because you just want you want as a content creator to just be hitting swishes. I mean, and like in basketball, just three three point shots, swish 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 swish, Steph Curry style, just hitting it, bop bop bop, you know, and just just killing the game, just on top of the world with your content, not hitting rims and backboards and uh uh spinners and and cyclones and and boppers you don't want that no shot rims boom, boom, bouncing off into the side inside and then doing a you know a rebound shot like you know it's like just so nerve-wracking just like and in the and especially when content creation is always like two minute warning red uh red zone drill fourth and 17 you know fourth and 40 red zone drill two minutes left like it's always hail mary you're like it's always like you're in the worst situation you know you you're always you're always behind somehow even the biggest content creators it's like how do you top your last one you know, or how do you not, you know, go in the red as far as the content you publish? Because you always have to get your numbers above the last last video that you made. If you're like a celebrity, right? I mean, like some celebrities are like, ah, oh, you know, it's, you know, not that big of a deal. But then their career tanks and, you know, they they disappear because they're uh they're like seen as like nobodies cuz they they can't hit the numbers anymore it's like bouncing off the walls constantly and then you never like you never get on goal because you what is it like prince will never make another purple rain like <laughs> or Michael Jackson will never make another thriller, right? Those people are long gone, but I mean, like, I'm just saying, like, people in the prime, at the height of the height, height, you know, they they top, you know, like Drake. Drake is typing type, top, top, top. You know, every year he's like Aubrey Graham Drake. He's Drake. He's this. He's that. Like, he's constantly hitting higher and higher marks. Taylor Swift, higher and higher marks. The top, top people. And then, like, the average, you know, Joe, the Joe content creator, Joe Rogan, like, stagnant, right? Just, like, went to Spotify. Joe Budden went to Spotify. Both of them went to Spotify. And they're just, like, not really doing that many things that are innovative. Like, when is Joe going to stop his contract with Spotify and go back to multi-distribution? Like... It'd be way better for the consumer. (laughs) Being exclusive to a platform is just like not it. It's not it. Functionality reasons why it's not it. You know, Ninja, like what he's doing right now with live streaming on every single platform is the wave. It's just the wave it's the way to do for all big content creators like 
because developers should really just be working on how their interface works with every single thing with smartphones pcs smart tvs augmented reality glasses like that's the thing developers should be focused on user experience but they can they constantly are focused on feature sets like an an exclusive to platforms and it's like is it business interest is it that you know a particular platform or or device is gonna uh finance a certain aspect of development i don't know i don't know if that's true but it sure does seem like there's just no coordination and direction there's no buddy coming out and talking about it from a public relations standpoint of like what these platforms are doing as um it relates to user experience i mean i guess mark zuckerberg comes out and says that you know he's changed the facebook name to meta and that meta is now doing virtual reality and augmented reality and everything with oculus i guess like as far as like bringing the user experience closer to the consumer no like who like in the comments of this video who has a portal system who has one like who uses portal for for smart tv i don't know a single person like i don't even know the portal tv operating system i've never even seen it I've never seen it in a in a in a store. I've never seen it anywhere. Like I I kept on hearing that Portal TV was going to come out and I never seen it. Never seen it. It's interesting. You know, maybe maybe it'll be out one day and it'll be like Meta Portal TV and it's like, "Whoa, that's 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 far out, man. That's cool. Dope." Anyway, I think I'm going to su surmise this. This is actually a pretty good episode for the creator economy like a lot of discussion about ways that you can monetize platforms tools strategies there's just a lot in this live stream podcast distribution man i hope that everyone really enjoyed listening to this that tuned in and um don't hesitate to reach out as always, it's Trent Knox. I'm going to sign off here, www.trentknox.com for all of the things. And I hope that you, uh, I'm going to try to think of a slogan here off the top of my head that I'm going to say every single time. Because I know like Knives has his slogan, right? It's like almost like, I'm like thinking of other different slogans, like keep on keeping on in the free world, like that type of thing. And then I've, I've heard people, like I did this before, it's a hard knocks life, keep going. You know, like that. It's a hard knocks life, keep going. All right, signing off.
Good. Not now. Is he download recordings? I'm still recording over here. Sorry about that, guys. A little bit extra. I'm going to stop the recording.